there is a generation coming up that is passionate about Jesus. And there are people like me out there. There are people like me, my own age, who are pursuing Christ. Doesn't it seem like it's kind of a rite of passage to be baffled about the generation coming behind us? Like, oh, those crazy millennials or those wild Gen Zers. It's as if all of a sudden you age out of being a youth and everything the kids are doing these days is wild and crazy and concerning. But we also know we can't put everyone in a box. There are definitely bright lights shining in every generation. And Sadie Daniel is one of them. Today, we're sitting down to chat with Sadie. She's 18 years old, just graduated from Lincoln Christian in Lincoln, Nebraska, and is preparing for her transition to college. This conversation is so refreshing. It's so sweet and honestly, so inspiring. She loves Jesus and is so confident in her place as a daughter of the Most High King. She's not just another Gen Zer. She's a God chaser and an impact player. We hope you enjoy this inspiring conversation with Sadie Daniel. Well, Sadie, welcome to the conversation this morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah, so excited. Yeah. So introduce yourself a little bit. Yeah, I'm Sadie Daniel and um, I'm 18. So the I just Sadie got Daniel. The <laughs> <laughs> Sadie Daniel. No. Um, I just graduated from Lincoln Christian um, and I'll uh, be going to UNL next fall. So yeah. I'm kind of in between schools, in between uh, lifestyles. It will, be, it will be different. I'm excited though. Yeah. So 18 years old. So wanted to have you on this morning specifically to speak as an 18 year old coming out of high school, going into college. And, uh, you know, I thought for a number of years when I was a youth pastor, I thought, man, I'd like to sometime do a series of talks for parents where they would be able to have access to and hear the hearts of their youth through me because I spent so much time with them, right? So I thought it'd be kind of fun to do that with you. You're not a youth pastor, but you're a youth and you spend a lot of time with youth and you hear their hearts and they see their struggles and you feel your heart and, and feel your struggle as well. So I feel like there's some things that we can learn from you today and not just from you in a sense, but from also the, your peers that you're around also. So I thought we have some, some fun this morning and dive into a number of different topics. Speaking specifically, believe it or not, I'm going to have you speak to parents. Oh my, cool. <laughs> I'm excited. That's awesome. Yeah. So um, as we talk this morning, we get an opportunity to speak to you about youth as a youth, specifically even in the midst of it, to also be given information perspective to parents that I think could be super helpful. But first of all, just generally for you as a youth, what concerns you about where youth are at today? Yeah, I think what scares me most is I feel like there's some gen uh, there's some separation between generations right now. Hmm. Um, I feel like all of our youth are kind of condensed into schools where uh, they're around kids their own age. And I was talking to my coach about this this morning, where they're kind of just taking their cues from each other hmm. and from people their own age. Like I see a lot of my friends um, when they're struggling and when they're going through hardships, they'll, they'll go to their peers and they'll go to the people their own age who are struggling with the same things and who are doubting the same things. And I think that is so sad because they miss out on, uh, going to people with, um, with wisdom and with counsel that have gone through way more life, uh, than we have. And I think part of it is like the social structure, just because we're in schools for so long, um, every right. day, it's kind of just the people we're around. And that's really sad. Cause I think they miss out on some, 
relationships with some older believers and yeah so i i I would not have thought of that one for (laughs) if all the things that i pictured in my head maybe you would say and to answer that question that would not have been one of my top ones which is but it's super interesting because that one in and of itself could lead to a number of other things that play out in the lives of youth that one thing changed i could see that as maybe not the root cause but definitely a root uh, that would be significant if you could impact that what about your life growing up uh, allowed you to be in relationships outside of just your peer group? Being a part of a a community group in town of um, other believers was super huge for me, uh, reaching out to older believers in the faith. And for me, um, that's super important because when you're only surrounded by your peers and when you're only uh, surrounded by those who are the same age as you and taking your cues from them, usually you can get wrapped up in that world. And it's kind of a world of performing and um, a world that's uh, very fleshly. And I think for me, when I spoke to older believers, it kind of gave me the big picture. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like, why are we here? There's bigger purpose to our lives. You know, it's interesting say that you say that because if if we're not careful, because you're talking about church community group within your church, right? And uh, it could be easy. Easily, there are a lot. There are plenty of times where even those of us in the church still think we should segment off according to generations, right? Where you have the youth with the youth, and high school, high school, and college with college, and singles with singles, and all those things. But you're saying that a big part of what allowed you to have access to wisdom and counsel, input, something outside of your peers, was having a place which was in this case was the church coming together multi-generational. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, I'm, I'm really thankful for my school as well uh, for Lincoln Christian, because um, I was around, I got to see leaders in my school and teachers in my school that I really looked up to and felt comfortable talking to. Um, so to have like leaders in our community and our churches and our schools are super important. So how about on the other side, what are you excited about when you think about where youth are at today? And what, what's something that you'd say, man, I'm excited about this aspect of where youth are and what's going on among youth. Yeah, I'm super excited because I, I feel like we have we have a lot of youth who are just getting into their faith and just learning about Jesus and they just have a lot of passion and they're mm. excited about the gospel and they're excited to share that on their campuses. And uh, it's, it's so fun to get around fellow believers that just want to open their Bibles and just sit together and like have no other motivation but to talk about Jesus. And mm. I think, I think that there are, um, there are youth out there like that, and I'm excited about it. And it's been fun to get to know some of the girls like that. Hmm. So that's encouraging because, again, we, we don't always hear those stories. We don't always see that. We don't know what's going on. But you're saying, no, there are youth besides just Sadie who uh, you get around that you go, man, no, there's there's youth out there that actually love Jesus. And again, they have that passion that drives them. Absolutely. Yeah, it's been really cool. God is always at work among us. Kurt, who pastors in Scotts Bluff, will soon be transitioning to the role of seniors pastor at his church. Our generation, the builders and boomers, are a group of people that are different than some of the other retirees in that they want to be involved, not just the rock and chair. So Kurt is excited to steward that spirit of service in the senior members of his church and challenge others who haven't yet considered it to do the same. Sometimes churches miss that group of people and don't challenge them enough to say, step up in these years and fill some gaps, help the young people out and serve, not just retire, but continue to serve God. There's just a variety of things they can do. 
actually, Kurt believes senior volunteers are some of the most beloved in the church, especially in children's ministries like Awana. The favorite leaders there were grandpas and grandmas. And they thought, well, I'm too old. I shouldn't be doing this. And, and I said, nonsense. These kids love the grandpas and the grandmas. So hopefully they see themselves as a ministry to the church and offer the church huge help. God is on the move as senior saints leverage the freedom in their schedules and the wisdom in their hearts to serve. God is doing something right now. My Bridge Radio, celebrating God at work among us. Share your story and join the conversation in the Connect Now section at mybridgeradio.net. Sadie, let's spend some time I talked about earlier. I, w- I want you to speak as a youth to parents representing not just yourself, but also youth in general, because you are immersed as a youth in youth. So you've got some great vantage point that I think could be super helpful. So if you were a parent, based on what you know, what would you want to know regarding kids? Be super aware of what your kids are walking into every day, because uh, for me personally, I went to a public school all the way through middle school. And then I went to a Christian school. There are struggles with both. Absolutely. But just knowing, uh, seeing what a lot of my public school friends have gone through over the past couple of years and seeing the way that they've changed, I think that sometimes it can be intimidating to open up to your parents, but just kind of being asking them kind of what, what are you, what are you experiencing at school? What are some of the uh, social pressures? So, so in saying that you're saying, okay, parents be aware about the reality of what your kids are walking into when they go into school every day. Um, so there's obviously some things that you've experienced in the midst of that. Give us some particulars, like what are some of those things that you would say, this is kind of what your kids are, are hitting when they, when they enter into those school each day with their peers. There's a lot of practical things that they're walking into every day. Right now, it's just that being a Christian is becoming less and less socially acceptable. And I think uh, you kind of have to choose either to fit in or to be be vocal about your faith. And I think that that gets, it gets harder and harder to make friends. Um, not only from a Christian perspective, I've seen the light and the passion uh, a lot of them have for Jesus kind of kind of get squelched by the environment they're in because they don't, they don't believe that there's believers around their own age, just because um, a lot of their friends are, whether that's partying or uh, getting into drugs or idolizing, idolizing relationships, idolizing sports, idolizing all kinds of different things, idolizing popularity. I think the uh, social media has played into that a lot. I think people can really begin to evaluate themselves or teens and specifically can begin to evaluate themselves by kind of some standards that their peers uh, set for them, which I think is really, really sad because they're, those standards are based on popularity, based on sports, athleticism, and that can really get discouraging really quickly. That's good. So what I'm hearing you say, Sadie, and so well, I mean, so we live in a fallen world. And so when kids are walking into especially secular schools, which are great, I mean, God wants them there, be light, be salt, right? So it's awesome. But yet, man, the, the amount of peer pressure, right? So even those of us who've gotten older, we're kind of out of that space for the most part, even though we're probably more influenced by it than we think, <laughs> just in a different way and a different intensity level. I mean, when you're in school, it's so intense. You walk through those doors and it's 
up close and personal, you're kind of in a fishbowl. And uh, man, just the amount of secularism that's now risen within the schools that is so antithetical to a walk of faith that your kids get inundated with all day, every day. And it's just, I'm hearing you say, it's just hard. It's tough. Yeah. It's gotten more and more normal to be nasty Hmm. um, just because of social media. And I think it's been, it's become more it's become more and more acceptable to be um, bold about not, not about your Christian views, but about Mm. being pushing back on someone. And it's in, there's a lot of ganging up. And I remember when I was in public school, it's like, it's not just one versus one in a conversation. It's like one versus five. And um, most of the time, those five are not going to be on on the Christian end of things. And just with the way cancel culture is going in social media, that transfers into the classroom and, quickly ideas that are not accepted by the group are, are shut down. And, and it's funny because it's, it's a lot of teenagers deciding what view is, what view is acceptable. And it's, it's so it's, it's a hard culture to walk into for sure. Mm-hmm. So Sadie, as you were uh, kind of walking through, cause you spent a number of years in uh, secular schools and what was helpful to you? So in the midst of all the peer pressure, in the midst of all the things that you were hitting as uh, someone who knew Jesus and wanted to, to live for him, um, what was helpful to help you kind of stand against the onslaught? Yeah, yeah, for sure. For me, um, I, I knew Jesus before I went into public school, um, for sure. I had a strong relationship with him before, but when I went into public school, it was, it was a decision. I was either going to spend time with Jesus every day or get pulled along with the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, there really wasn't there to me, there's no way to do it by yourself. Um, you, you can, you can try, but, um, for me, it was really, that's when I had to make a conscious decision. I was going to get into prayer and I was going to get into the word every day. And if I wasn't doing that, 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 that day I would get pulled along with the culture because, um, your, your flesh can only stand so much. Um, but the spirit can withstand so much more. And so when I was having that input of the spirit every day and, uh, input of the word into my life, um, that's when I really experienced, okay, like God would open up opportunities to have conversations with someone, or sometimes I would be put in those conversations of five versus one, but he would give me the words to say, and it would end up being a conversation where someone would come up to me ask afterward and be like, Hey, you really like caused me to think about some things. Mm. And so it's, it's, it's really like, I think you can try and do it on your own. And, uh, but really it's, you're going to fail and you're going to, um, it's going to be easy to get pulled along if you're not rooted in the word and rooted in uh, what he says about you. And if you're, if you're not having someone to talk to and having Jesus to talk to all the time and uh, getting your thoughts out by journaling was helpful for me. And so just kind of implementing those uh, key type things for your walk with the Lord, I think is super important. That's a good word for not only youth, but for us adults as well. Like trying to do a life on our own in the midst of a fallen culture is just not a successful path. So that's so good. Appreciate you sharing that. You know, it's not automatic for kids who grew up in homes with Christian parents to turn out still loving Jesus on the back end. That's There's a statistic out there that's alarmingly high of the number of youth that walk away from the faith after they leave their home and they walk away without a sincere, passionate faith in them. So you're in a good spot right now. You're 18 years old. You love Jesus. You have a, your own relationship with him. What did your parents do right? As you look back, what was some things that you would say, man, my parents did this right? I know there's other factors as well, but specifically from your home life, you'd go, this was a significant 
impactful thing that my parents did right that helped me have my own faith as well. Yeah, yeah. No, those statistics are really sad. And one of the things that I'm super grateful for is that my parents really emphasized grace and truth. Hmm. Um, because I think sometimes in Christian homes, we can um, get all about behavior modification hmm. and kind of about this kind of, and it, it really kind of turns out to be kind of fleshly because we're all just like trying to do um, better on our own. And it's just kind of gets into a, okay, I'm performing for my parents. I'm performing for the church. I'm performing. And so it's kind of like, I have to perform for all the kids at school and <laughs> kind of conform to all of uh, their ways at school. But then at home, I have a whole nother set of standards that I have to kind of conform to what my parents um, did, which I am so grateful for is that they were very, they're very vulnerable um, with where they fell short and kind of um, created an atmosphere in our home where it's like, we are all sinful and we all fall short and we are going to do that every day. But it's like, where do we turn to after that? Like, do we turn to ourselves and what we can do better and what um, kind of make it this, uh, like I said, kind of this behavior modification thing, or do we turn to the Lord in his grace? And they absolutely pointed out sin in my life multiple times, but it was a place like where it was like, okay, like, where are you going to go after this? Are you going to turn to the spirit and ask him to work this through in your life? Or are you going to try and kind of take it by the reins and kind of figure it out yourself? And mm. I think that's one of the things that they really emphasized and they were really honest about their so own shortcomings as well. Yeah. That's so encouraging. I mean, we can do that. Like all of us as parents, like you didn't say, wow, they memorized the entire Bible and quoted it to us every day. They were real people who really loved Jesus and sought to live for him in an imperfect way that they admitted. They lived out just the reality of a sinner saved by grace uh, in front of you and invited you into that same kind of relationship instead of rules. Absolutely, always looking to the cross. <laughs> mm, that's so good, that's really good. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Psalm 150, verse six. Join us Sundays on MyBridge Radio for worship music all day long. Refreshing, hope-filled Sundays on MyBridge Radio. So Sadie, we talked a few moments ago about uh, just the impact that your parents had on your life as far as uh, you living with them in their home and choices that they made and how they lived out the Christian life in front of you. But what was an experience outside of your house that you go, man, this was so impactful. Parents, I would totally encourage you to consider making it available to your kids as well. Yeah, I think I think for me, the summer before my eighth grade year, I was able to go to camp. Hmm. And for me, it was an FCA camp. And uh, for me, it was coming from a time where it was a lot of the believers in my life were older than me, which that set a huge foundation for my life. And they spoke into my life, uh, lots of wisdom, which was, which was amazing. But when I went to FCA camp, I was able to meet believers my own age. And that was huge for me because before going to a public school, like I said, I was kind of on my own. And while I met professed Christians and professed believers, really at camp, I met people that were walking it out, people that spent time with Jesus every day, people that wanted to ask questions um, about the Lord and wanted to get to know him and people that were around my own age and uh, college students and high school students that I can look up to um, in a huge way. And that was really impactful for me because I was like, there is a generation coming up that is mm. passionate about Jesus. And like, 
I, I see a lot of unbelievers every day. And that week was so rejuvenating for me because I remember I came home and I said to my mom, I was like, mom, there are people like me out there. <laughs> there are people like me, my own age who are pursuing Christ. And uh, mm. that was just super, that was super impactful for me. That's really good. Yeah. I'm, I'm such a believer in camps. I've seen them impact so many kids' lives, even as a youth pastor as well. And, and I was on staff with FCA for a number of years uh, right out of college. Yeah. It's interesting because I never thought about really all of my experience with camps, just the impact of just Christian kids, especially those who are going to secular schools that typically don't have a lot of peer groups that all love Jesus, to be in a context to be around kids their age for that week and go, yes, this is normal. There's a level of normality to knowing and loving and following Jesus. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, and that was so special for me. And for me, those relationships carried me through the school year. Mm. And um, I was able to turn to those fellow believers, whether uh, they were all across the state, just seeing them during the year at competitions and stuff. And it was just able to carry me through the school year, which I think was so, I'm so grateful for. Mm. Get us as adults, as parents in touch with the struggle that youth have today in the area of modesty. Why is that so intense right now? Like a lot of other things, uh, like I've said before, it's a, it's a huge social pressure. And like other things, like we've talked about, everyone's taking their cues from their fellow peers. Mm. And so a lot of, it's kind of the group think mentality there. A lot of them are deciding what they wear. And a lot of Christians are jumping in on that and kind of buying into what the group says. And I think it's really hard because then true believers see Christians buying into what the group says. And then they're like, oh, well, they profess Christ and they're, they're dressing like the culture. And so it's just kind of becomes this normal thing and nobody kind of questions it. And nobody says, Hey, what does the Bible say about this? Or what does someone older than me think about this? Or it kind of just becomes this unquestioned kind of peer pressure thing. I mean, we've had conversations, right? I mean, you know, Jesus, you grew up in a great Christian home. Like you've been invested in deeply. You still feel that raging war around you in the area of modesty. Share kind of your struggle with with it and, and why it was so intense. What Where's the rubber meet the road where you just go, this dynamic is what makes it so hard to choose things that I want to choose in the areas with modesty. Yeah, I think I think any believer that like desires relationships and wants to wants to connect with people on a deep level has trouble because they they want to connect with people and so, so things like this it's like I don't want them to think I'm I think I'm better than them. I want them to think I'm a cool Christian, like not a <laughs> not a weird Christian. And so um, I think that's what's been uh, the struggle for me. And I think there's kind of this. It, it is hard. It's it's like everyone's doing it. And so it's like, what difference am I going to make wearing more clothing if the girl beside me is not, you know? And I think for girls specifically, you want to be noticed. And I think it's hard when the culture is telling you, you have to wear less clothing to be noticed. And I think that is, that is a message that uh, is being pushed. And I think it's so sad. So in the, in the era of modesty, what's been helpful to you? What are some things that have kind of helped you get some level of grounding and make some choices that you feel good about? For me, it really comes back to talking to older believers in my life, talking to fellow believers my own age and what how they're thinking about this and really coming back to the word and what 
what the Bible says about it, really kind of wrestling through what are my personal convictions about this. And for me, it's also looking to what do I want my life to be about? Do I want it to be about me and like, look at me and do I even have the control over how I come off to others? Not really. And so it's like really just making my, what do I want my life to be about in the end? And how does, how does dressing kind of fit into that? Like what, what kind of clothing am I going to wear uh, that doesn't hurt my calling of what I really want in my life and kind of looking at the big picture. So good. Well, Sadie, thanks for joining us today. And uh, so excited about kind of who you are, who Jesus is in you and uh, excited to see what God has in store for you in the future. Absolutely. It was great talking to you. Inspiring, right? It brings me to tears listening to her share about her heart for her peers, like 18 years old and so much wisdom. I'm grateful for Sadie and her passion for her peers to know Jesus like she does. And I can't wait to see what she does for the kingdom next year at her college campus and definitely in the years to come. God is the God of all generations. He is faithful through all the ages. And this conversation just refreshes my hope for the generations to come. Thanks so much for listening and for being here. To hear more from MyBridge, tune into your local MyBridge radio station, listen online with our app at home through your smart speaker or on mybridgeradio.net.